welcome back to episode 5 of From the Blue Line, and we have a full docket today. My special guest is Tom Murphy. Hey, how's it going? And uh, let's just jump right into it. Some news and notes real quick for anybody who has not been following. Flyer signed Gostas Bear, or better known as Ghost, to a six-year, $27 million extension. Uh, any quick thoughts about that? He was kind of off the mark this last season. I mean, he's he's definitely part of their future. Uh, he's very good on the blue line, generates a lot of offense. Um, not sure I would have jumped him with an extension this early. Maybe uh, if you looked at a little more what he would have done bouncing back. But, I mean, like I say, he's, he's a good part of their future. So lock him up and maybe, you know, shift your focus now to some other guys, what you're going to do, free agency coming up. Uh, another one is Bob, I'm going to say this wrong, but Bob Boner, I can't say that right, is uh, expected to be the Panthers' new head coach. Uh, yeah, I can't say that right, but, you know, it's there. And per the Department Player of Safety, Colton Sissons will not be suspended for Game 6 for his conduct and cross-check to Oldie Mata. Um, we're going to talk a lot about that, especially the antics of Sid the Kid, um, I'm fired up about it still. It's been 48 hours later, and I'm still heated. So we're going to jump into that. But just some news and notes for you to catch up, and uh, let's get right into it. We watched the game. Halfway through that first period, maybe a little after that, the Subban-Crosby incident. I want to get your take on it first before I jump into it, because I feel very strongly about it. Anybody who knows me knows how I feel about Crosby. Um, obviously, he's one of the best players in the league right now, if not in the uh, the history of the game. Um, I just don't understand when you have that much skill and you can make that much difference in a game, why you have to play the way he plays. And that's the thing that irritates me about Sidney Crosby is – you have all that talent. You can go out there and dictate how a game goes offensively in a positive way. But you do these stupid little things behind the play or, you know, you stir things up and then go crying to the ref or have your teammates jump in. It's just it's irritating to anybody outside of the Pittsburgh fan base. And just I don't understand why he does it. I know he gets frustrated of the treatment he gets. And you always hear that argument. Well, that's what everybody does to him. Well, rise above it. You know, be that better player. Or if you want to be a physical player as well as a skill player, then do that, but don't don't cry and run when it gets dissed back. And that's my frustration with Crosby. I thought the whole incident with Subban was it should have been a penalty more for Crosby. I understand, you know, Subban had a hold of his leg. Okay, I get that, but does that – warrant getting your head shoved into the ice about five different times i don't think so yeah i, I remember when we watched it um definitely i don't i don't think that two minutes matching for holding for both of them was content i think it should have been at least a two for crosby if not you know both get two minutes for holding and then two for roughing but it was definitely as we say, he was giving him the business. It was, you know, jabs to the head. He was playing with his helmet. It was a definite attempt to 
throw him off his game, if not get him a little rattled. And you brought it up about Crosby kind of hits that point where it's expected that he gets the same treatment and he's just giving it back, which if you take a step back and look at it, I can understand. I think he's showing that, you know, he's tired of it. He is a captain. He's going to step in and play his role. I just think he went the wrong way about it. And if you look at the history, especially in this last season, it was in the first quarter, he had the cup track on O'Reilly, and that was kind of deemed uh, just part of the game, which, again, to me, that's intent to injure. You're kind of going after a guy's family jewels. I can't get that. That, that should have been suspension, if not a fine there. but um, I believe just before the playoffs, it was the Mark Mathot, the slash where he took off the tip of his pinky, again, that was deemed a part of the game. Again, I think intent to injure. Uh, in the first round for Columbus, I, I believe it was Cam Atkinson. He was kind of a punch to the back of the head. That was let go. It, it seems as if, not to say it, but the NHL turns a blind eye and is kind of well, hey, he is our superstar, let's just kind of let it go. And, and I don't want to accuse them of that. I mean, they are the greatest organization for sports out there. But the first two or three incidents, you could kind of understand they don't want to call. But now it's to a point where, you know, in game six, he could go out and just, you know, forehand somebody or give somebody a cross check and it'll be a, it's, it's a play of the game. It's, it's nothing that, we need to look at seriously. Well, that that right there, I'm going to jump in. That At what point do you make that call? Because you have the O'Reilly incident, and they let it go. Then he does the Mathod incident, and they let it go. Now he does this with Subban, and they let it go minus the two-minute penalty. But if at any point, if they would have taken <clears throat> excuse me, any – corrective action with, you know, at least a fine with the O'Reilly incident. If they at least fine him there, now it comes to the Mathod incident where they could have deemed it as an intent to injure, could have been a game suspension because they have to take those steps, but they decided not to. Now you get to the Subban, jamming a player's head to the ice like that, that can be viewed upon as an intent to injure. So, if you go all the way back to the first incident and you give him a fine there, and then you get to the second incident, you give him a suspension. We could be talking about a three-game suspension right now. But that's what the league does not want for a guy like Sidney Crosby, which to me is one of the things that is a negative for the NHL. They have to hold every player accountable at the same level. Yeah, I was gonna say if it was if it was reversed, if it was you know Subban on top of Crosby doing the same thing, I think we're looking at a two, five, and a ten. It's 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 definitely something to consider, as you said, that while he does get that dare I say it special treatment, it is something that you need to look at. How far can he go, or how far can he stretch the limits? Well, apparently he can do what he wants. I mean, he's throwing water water bottles on the ice. I wanted to get into that, too, especially for the fact that if, and you know, you can look it up if you want. I don't have the exact rule book in front of me, but I remember reading over it. It is a two-minute delay game yeah. throwing a foreign object from the bench, and it can be a 10-minute misconduct depending what it is and who it's directed at. And I know he threw it because of a missed call, 
which inevitably led to the fifth goal. But if you watch the video, it's not towards the official. It's in the general direction. And that's something I think that they should consider or at least look at. I don't ever accuse anybody of, of doing something as such, even when you had Dennis Weidman, who had the cross-check in the back. Wow. Uh, Antoine Vermette had the small slash after the face-off. You never want to look at a guy who's going to hurt an official. But you're throwing a water bottle in the vicinity of an official. That's an automatic 10 games. Well, there's my thing again, and it all goes back to the when do you actually make a ruling on Crosby? What else can he get away with? Because, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I hadn't seen anything in the last 24 hours, but, you know, there was the whole discussion that, you know, yeah, he had owned up the throw in the water bottle. It wasn't intentional, blah, blah, blah. But has the league made a statement on it? I mean, this should at least, again, should be a fine. Fine him. You did it. Maybe it wasn't intentional. Maybe it was. Who knows? You know, obviously he's not going to come out and say, yeah, I meant to do it. But you got to find the guy. Somewhere you have to hold him accountable. But it just seems like the league just there's a there's rules for Crosby and then there's everybody else. And that's what, again, pardon the friends, but pisses a lot of people off about the Pittsburgh Penguins and Sidney Crosby. Yeah, as of this morning, I hadn't seen anything. I know that he said that he was making a gesture towards the official and the water bottle, excuse me, water bottle slipped. But anybody who's got fairly enough, you know, common sense can watch that video and see that it's it's got arc to it. It's, you know, making a projectile. It didn't slip out of his hands. You're a professional athlete anyway. And, and I believe he said about, you know, his arm isn't that weak. You can say what you want, but again, it's it's definitely something that, like you said, you have to consider the special rules between him and the rest of the league. How far can you stretch it? I mean, I don't think I've seen anything from player safety or the NHL about this. I don't think there's been any kind of statement, but at what point does enough become enough? And game six will definitely be much more interesting with all of this happening. You know, Subban's, I, I believe Subban's going to come out and play the same game he always does. I don't think he'll change a single thing. But there are other guys on that team who aren't going to take lightly to this. And, you know, we saw the tension blow over Malkin and Subban kind of had a scrap, more like hugging each other, but, you know, both got five. It's a do-or-die game, do you expect the intensity to be over max and it's it's going to be a bloodbath for the cup? Depends on how the game goes. I mean, Nashville's proven that they're they're a lot better in Nashville than they are in Pittsburgh. I mean, they just they just got, you know, just blown away in the last game. And, you know, getting back home, they'll be a better team. I think in that aspect they know they know what's on the line. They have to play control. If the game gets out of hand, you know, if it turns into how the games have been in Pittsburgh and it's, you know, a multiple goal lead late in the game. Yeah. I think you'll see things get intense. There could be a couple of little sparks here and there throughout the game, but Nashville knows it's do or die. They got to win and force us to a game seven, but you know, it'll be interesting to see what their approach will be. If you see a guy, like McLeod back in the lineup, I think that sets a message of, 
of how they're going to approach the game and, you know, the physical level they want to play at. You know, he's been a, a scratch the last couple of games, or at least hasn't been in the lineup. But, you know, they got to come out and they have to play smart hockey and get the win and force the game seven. Yeah, every game so far in the series, the home team has won. So, obviously, home cooking plays to it. Nashville's only lost one game at home all playoffs. You know, we watched in game three and game four, Rene stood on his head. The offense seemed to come together. They really played well and showed what they're about. But again, those first two games, it looked pretty dismal. They came back in game three and four, one. You have game five where you lose six, nothing, and things start to seem like they're unraveling. Can you come back in game six with that same performance you had in three and four and push a game seven knowing that you have not played fairly well in Pittsburgh so far this series. It's something I think, you know, obviously they're going to put up on the whiteboard and look at. They've got some experience there between Fisher, James Neal. Um, Vern Finler's been in the league for quite a while. And you got a lot of young guys as well who, you know, they've played this playoff so far. They're going to be prepared for it. But I think you have to look at the emotions from Game 5 and how they're going to carry over. You have a team that, as you said, is pissed off and they're ready to win. And you have a team such as the Penguins who are, we're in the driver's seat. What do we need to do to close this out? The thing with Pittsburgh is, obviously, you know, they're the defending champions. They know what it takes to close out a series. And they know... They know coming into this game that, you know, hey, even if we lose, we're going back home and we dominated. But they can't be complacent like that because Nashville's looking at it as, you know, if we can win another game at home, we can force that game seven. Yeah, we have not played well in Pittsburgh, but we at least have a chance. And I think, you know, the the approach from both teams you know, I don't think Pittsburgh's going to be that team of, eh, you know, if we don't win it, we're going back home and we know we're going to win that one. You know, they know how to close it out. They know what's at stake. They know the cup's going to be there. They're going to come out and they're going to try to do what they can do to end it right there. For Nashville, they're, again, they got to play smart hockey. They know, you know, they're a little, little less experienced than Pittsburgh is, but I don't think that they – they're going to look ahead and go, hey, even if we win game six, well, we got to go back to Pittsburgh for game seven. We know how that's worked out. So I think if each team focuses on this game, I think you're going to have a really good game. And, you know, hopefully uh, Nashville will come out and we'll see a game seven. Yeah, I want to jump back to the game five. I think I said earlier, but the antics or the performance of Crosby. We had, you know, the Subban incident plus the water bottle flip. But then – um if anybody wasn't really paying attention, you might not have noticed that he had a three-assist night. He was the leading scorer for that evening. And it shows that while he has been dominant and is arguably the best player in this league, we're looking at the negative. We're looking at you know, his actions rather than his play, which I think speaks for something because you do have that. You have a lot of people who... You know, we agree as a whole, he is the best player. He is the face of this league, but we're tired of it. Things need to be said. Things need to be done. I think it just kind of blows my mind that that's all we've talked about for 24, 48 hours and not the performance or 
the play of Rene, I think the first two goals were just very fluky. He looked a little shaky. We're focusing on a negative aspect and, you know, the crybaby, if you will, of how it goes down. You know, we always see the videos of every, you know, face-off or every stoppage of play. He's got something to say to an official or he's, he's talking back to players. Was it uh, Game 3 with the Listerine comment with him and Subban? Yeah. He's got that center of attention, and it's it's welcomed and it's expected, but at what point do you stop focusing on the negative and just, as I've said it, enough is enough. He's got to be put to held accountable for his actions, so to say. He's got to start playing like a dumbass. I mean, they're just straight out. I mean, you look at a guy like Ovechkin. Ovechkin, Ovechkin will skate that line. You know, he he's a skilled player. He's an aggressive player. You know, does he do some things that are are questionable in how he does it? Yeah, but you don't really see him, you know, doing a lot of the cheap shot and then whining after the fact stuff that Crosby does. You know, if if Crosby wants to play a physical game, then do it. But don't try to do the stuff behind the play and and the little subtle stuff and then hide behind your teammates or the rest. Go out there, be a dominant player. If you can add some physicality to it, add it. It, it, It's a better game. But just do it. And don't, you know, flip-flop back and forth of how your style is going to be. Go out there, get the three assists, play a smart game without the antics, and then that's what people are going to focus on, you know, how great of a performance it was, not the, gee, what the hell was he thinking on that play? Yeah, I can't speak any more highly to that. As a fan, you want, you want to see it, you know, like you said, a three-point night. You want to see physicality. You want to see, especially in the playoffs, a little attitude here and there. I want nothing more than to, you know, to see him have a goal and two assists or three assists and – Hey, he rocked, you know, somebody on this hit and he owned up to it. He he pushed his weight around. You want to see that. You want to see guys be physical no matter what their skill level is. It's just a shame that this is what we focus on and this is the topic of conversation because of it seems to be a reoccurring pattern especially in these playoffs or as late in the season. Um I know we look back to the Washington series when the missed concussion protocol and yeah. and then it was in the Ottawa series uh, Carlson picked up on the mic asking if you know he was okay and whatnot I would not assume or I would not pin anything but you know is he hurt or is, is he just agitated and he's had enough and that you know he's a grown man and he's gonna put the game in his hands and do what he has to do there's a lot of questions around it, and like I said, it's a shame that this is what we do focus on and talk about. While it does make good content, we should be talking about his performance, not his play. It's, and, and just a quick add-on to that is th- these antics that he is doing, you're the captain of the team. This is yes. not, this is not a, a quality of a leader. And when you're doing this stuff, it's the stuff you'd expect from a fourth-line guy, you know? If that's if that's the player he wants to be, then go be that player. But you know, with the skill he has, he just has to get his head out of his ass and go out there and play smart hockey. Be, I agree. Be yep. a leader. Be the face of the league and your franchise. 
Yeah, and, and it's not as if, it's like you said, this is kind of fourth-line plug stuff. It's not as if he doesn't have guys on that team who will fight tooth and nail for him. And and I'm sure if, you know, if that was the other way around, as we said, if it was Subban who was kind of giving Crosby the business, Scott Wilson, Patrick Hornquist, I think anybody on the team, Malkin especially, is there in his defense right away. It's just, as I've, you know, I've said, and I hate to repeat myself, it's a shame that this is what we focus on and we're not discussing the possibility of a closeout, a repeat championship. It's, why are we discussing this and not those? And it's just, uh, like I said, it's a shame. I'd rather talk about his play and talk about how good he is. But again, as fans as we both are, and we don't do this professionally, it does piss us off. Like I said, I was fired up about it, and it's, you know, two days later, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, but to get to a, a brighter note, depending on who you root for, Game 6, Sunday night in Nashville. As we discussed, Nashville's lost one game, all series, or all playoffs at home. Break out the catfish. Yeah, somebody throw some catfish out there. Uh, I forget who the singer is who's doing the anthem. I just looked at it and slipped my mind. What do you expect in this? Do you expect Nashville to come out guns blazing? or? Yeah, they have to. Well, they have to, but do you expect it? Or have they kind of hit that roadblock? that plateau that, you know, hey, Pittsburgh is too much for us. Like I alluded to a little bit ago, as long as they don't get caught looking ahead, you know, if they look ahead and go, gee, if we win six, we got to go back to Pittsburgh for seven. If they can stay on focus at game six and know that winning the game gives them an equal chance at hoisting the cup, you know, focus on the game, get out there, get a jump early, just follow the blueprint of what Pittsburgh did in game five. I mean, Pittsburgh came out running and gunning and just Nashville never had a chance to get into the game. That's what Nashville needs to do to Pittsburgh. Get the crowd fired up right away. I don't care if it's a quick goal, a big hit, something to get the crowd going and just play aggressive hockey, never let your foot off the gas, and just get at it. Yeah, and for you country fans, it is Luke Bryan who will be doing the anthem for game six. But yeah, I, mean, I agree. You, Like you said, foot on the gas. You have to play with the most momentum you have. Play your heart out. I think it will be tough, especially, you know, it is a clinching game. Pittsburgh knows that if they win, they win it all. And that, I think you said, you know, not to look forward, but if they don't win, they know that they're going back to Pittsburgh where they have been dominant in the series, let alone the playoffs. But I'd like to think if you're Pittsburgh, you're trying to close out right away. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you have an opportunity to do it. And again, they're the experienced team. They know what it takes. They're going to do what needs to be done to get it done. And real quick on uh, anthem singers and whatnot. I want to know when we're going to have Jake Lurr sing a national anthem at a Regency game. I mean, what's up with that? Come on, guys. Let's get let's let's play with the big boys here. We'll have our people contact Jake's people and we'll get on that. <laughs> I'm sure he'll take a nice note out of this. I do. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's tough to look at, you know, as I said, we, we play for fun. We've never been in a professional game like this, the attitude or the emotion that you have going into it. But it's got to be tough for Nashville to know that it's do or die, but you're at home where, like we've said, they've been dominant, something about the catfish, they can't lose a game there. 
it'll be very interesting to watch. I, I expect a lot out of that game. I'm praying and I'm hoping for a Nashville win because there's nothing better than a Game 7, especially for it all. Well, Game 7, double overtime. Now that's something. Yes, that, that's, you know, something you don't see very often. But, yeah, I, I think it'll be very tough. It'll be high emotion, high impact, high intensity. It'll be a game that I think brings in a lot of the viewers. Even if you don't like hockey, you're going to want to watch it. Especially, as we said, the antics from Game 5, you expect that to carry over at some point, whether it's, you know, at puck drop, you know, towards the end of the first period, or, you know, the winding minutes of the third. I think you expect a lot of that to carry over and expect Crosby to have a target, Malkin to have a target, you know, crash the net on Murray, get him unrattled. You got to do something. But... Do you have a prediction? I mean, I know you want Nashville, but are you going to stick with Nashville? Yeah, I, I think being at home, you know, based on the series so far and what they've done at home throughout the entire playoff. Plus, I think the uh, um, the ace in the hole for the Predators is Peter Laviolette. He's been there. Yes. He knows how to get his guys ready, and he knows their backs are against the wall. Home cooking – yeah, I got to go Nashville. Yeah, I think I'm safe to say it. I'm comfortable to go with Nashville. If, if I was a betting man, I'd put money down on Nashville. Like I said, it's it's got to be something with the catfish or something in the water, or just the good music they listen to in the locker room, but they know how to win at home. And I expect them to and take it back to Pittsburgh for a thrilling and exciting Game 7. I'm going to wrap up here in a minute, but I want to talk about the offseason, unfortunately, is coming up. Do you have any kind of ex- expectations for big moves in the offseason? I know there's a lot of chatter with the Knights. You know, how much are they going to push for guys before the expansion draft? Yeah, I've seen a lot of chatter right now, but you never know how much weight to put into that. The one thing I wanted to circle back to, you alluded to uh, Bugner uh, becoming coach for the Panthers. Uh, there were a couple other moves this week. Anybody who follows any of the uh, junior hockey out of the Canadian leagues, you had the Memorial Cup Championship a couple of weeks back. Uh, two great teams, great game uh, between Windsor and Erie. Uh, I see now both of their respective head coaches um, now have different jobs. Uh, Knobloch with Erie is, uh, I believe, an assistant coach with Philadelphia now, so he brings some uh, – some leadership there with some of the younger guys and whatnot. And Rocky Thompson, he uh, from Windsor got promoted to the head coach of the Chicago Wolves. So just, you know, kudos to those guys. They built some great programs there for the junior leagues. Uh, Erie's been dominant the last couple of seasons. Windsor's, you know, they're, they're almost a contender every year. I was say they're a perennial powerhouse every year. Yeah. Talk about head coaches. I mean, like we said, Florida just, they're expected to ink their guy. Um, Buffalo still has a vacancy out there. And then there's always that chatter of coaches being moved. Oh, Jack uh, Eichel was coaching Buffalo. Well, and that's, <laughs> I think he thinks he runs that team, but we can do that on another episode. Yeah, I expect uh, an exciting, and I think there might be two or three surprises in this offseason. I know as a Devils fan, I'm still holding out for the Kovalchuk news. He seems to be dancing around. If he wants to come back, I guess he does, but he wants to go to the Rangers, whatnot. 
Do you have any take on that? Like I said, it's, right now, it's especially in the off days between the games here, there's just a lot of chit-chat going around, a lot of rumors. You, know, you never know what to believe because – you know, you always hear these things that are highly reported and then they never happen. And then you always have that one that comes out of left field, you know, especially with the draft coming up. I believe uh, we got like a week and a half, two weeks. The yeah. 21st is the uh, the expansion draft and the award show. And then uh, two days after that, on the 23rd, you have the regular draft and free agency kicking in. You know, how many guys are going to get locked up before then? Anybody going to have their rights traded? You know, it's. You know, it's it's going to be sad that the season will be over here, you know, what, Wednesday at the latest? I think it's game seven if need be. But, uh. Yeah, it would be Wednesday, yeah. So, it, but it's still going to be a pretty exciting offseason here for, you know, two, three weeks after, after the cup's lifted. But, yeah, like I said, a lot of rumors going around. You don't know what to believe, but it, it could be some interesting moves. Seems like everybody's in the market for a defenseman. You know, you hear a lot of rumors of, you know, Minnesota looking to upgrade their defense. Obviously, Colorado needs defense. Dallas could use some defense. Devils could use some defense. Well, we could use a whole lot of defense <laughs> on our team. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if anybody's actually going to play ball and, you know, move some guys or what. But it'll be exciting. Yeah, I expect it to be uh... – you know, right from the end of the season up until free agency. And a freeze and frenzy is always a very exciting day because you have you have guys who are expected. I, I think it's Alsner and Oshi are both expected to re-sign with Washington. You know, they'll move some money around and keep their core players together. But you never know. Shattenkirk as well. Shattenkirk is the other big freeze. And you never know if, if those guys have a contract elsewhere that, you know, hey, especially looking at the Capitals plateauing, if you will, for the second round. If those guys want to go somewhere else, it'll be exciting, and I can't wait for it. But again, you know, we're looking at the Stanley Cup here, and it's a lot of us want to see Nashville win a team that's never won a cup, really up until this year has never really done much in the playoffs, versus a, dare I say it, dynasty-like team in the Penguins, who this will be a repeat, as well as... You know, they're in the playoffs every year. You kind of expect... And this would be the first repeat champion in the uh, salary cap here. Yes, so. which would be a big deal, especially with the Penguins. But, you know, wrap it up here. Episode 5. I do want to give a quick sponsor, or a quick shout to our first sponsor. It's Hat Trick Brewing. Yep. Who has graciously provided us with our drinks this evening. And hopefully they'll uh they'll be around for the next few episodes. So definitely. Guys have a good one. Drink a beer while listening, and we'll see you next time. Go dogs.